Friends, good morning. Uh, welcome to worship at the Presbyterian Church of Lawrenceville, coming to you live from the clean room, uh, the meeting house of the Presbyterian Church of Lawrenceville. Uh, we have a few worship leaders here who will be offering uh, worship on behalf of all the saints. And of course, uh, we would be having some technical difficulties with Facebook Live. We're trying to work those out, so bear with us as we get the feed right. Hopefully the sound is working a little bit better, um, but this is an experiment, I think, for all of us, obviously. But uh, as you're worshiping at home, we hope that you can actually follow along with us. I have put together a worship kit for today, and you can get that through our website. Just go to pclawrenceville.org, and you can download some of the materials that we'll be using uh, in worship today. Uh, there will be the order of service that is, uh, is available there, as well as uh, a kit that provides all of the hymns for today. And the hymns are a little bit different from what is stated in the bulletin. So feel free right now to download that and uh, follow along with us. And our hope is that as we sing the hymns, maybe if you're a family, you can sing the hymns with us. You can also say the prayers with us and follow along as, as best as you can. Again, this is a bit of an experiment. All of this is sort of unprecedented for us, and uh, we're going to muddle through, but we're going to muddle through together. Okay, so a few announcements. First of all, if there are visitors out there, uh, we hope that you'll register your presence. A lot of you have uh, made comments about the video feed not being quite right and skipping. Uh, we're going to work on that, and uh, as, the, as the worship goes, uh, goes, proceeds, hopefully we'll get to a better place with it. Uh, but if you are a visitor, let us know that you're visiting with us via Facebook Live by just sort of saying, I'm here, in the comments section of, uh, of the feed there. Um, we're also developing a protocol together as a church to respond to the needs that this time presents with us so that as a community of faith, we can be as faithful as possible um, to be uh, followers of Christ during this difficult time. The deacons, and a shout out to Chris Denny, the president of the deacons, they are developing a clearinghouse to make known needs that people might have and people willing to serve those needs. So stay tuned for that. Also, would uh, encourage you, if you can, to tune in every Friday at noon. We're going to be having a, a, a Zoom conversation, a kind of a congregational meeting every week at 12 noon, just to talk about how we're meeting the, the need in this time as a church community. It's about half an hour. We had a good conversation this past Friday, and we're going to, again, do that every Friday just to sort of check in and, uh, and see how we can best meet those needs. Um, a few other really specific things that I need. I need somebody who can do Facebook stuff. Obviously, we, that's a huge need. We spent a lot of time trying to get this right. I'm sorry that somehow, of course, the last minute, it did, what didn't quite uh, go right, but... Um, if there's somebody who really knows how to do Facebook Live, I could really use your help, as well as anybody with technical skills. There are a lot of things that we need uh, expert help with. So if you are such a person, please email me and let me know that. Also, I want to emphasize that, like any business, um, uh, the, the economics are challenging, and for all of us. Uh, but just a shout-out, just an encouragement, if you can, to continue your pledge. Uh, for now, we ask that you would give your... Uh, pledge by mail, make your offering by mail. We're working on a system where perhaps we can even have people drop off offerings and not even go in the building. We'll uh, keep you posted on that. But just encourage you to keep up your pledge. Otherwise, um, we're going to come to a grinding halt, as is the case with so many other businesses. Another also small detail, if you have stuff in the free freezer or fridge, we're going to be cleaning that out this week. And so if you uh, don't want it to go to another place, if you have something in there, please be aware of that. Now, again, if uh, there are many other uh, announcements in the bulletin, I encourage you to please download the download that and read them at your leisure. But is there anything else for the common good that anybody wants to make known? You can do that through the comments section, and then everybody will will see your notice there. Um, otherwise, let us move from getting here to being here as we worship God together. Let's 
Let us join together in our call to worship. And again, those of you who are worshiping with us on Facebook Live, um, please uh, also follow along with us at home. Happy are those whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Happy are those to whom the Lord imputes no iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. Let all who are faithful offer prayer to you at a time of distress. The rush of mighty waters shall not reach them. You are a hiding place for us. You preserve us from trouble. You surround us with glad cries of deliverance. We're going to join in our opening hymn, which is different from the one uh, that appears in the bulletin. And the irony of this hymn was pointed out to me just before the service. Uh, I did not realize it. I picked this hymn on Friday afternoon. The hymn is number 610 in our new red hymnal, in case you should have a copy of that. This hymn is also available in the worship kit provided on our website, Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing, number 610. Let us sing God's praises together. Please be seated. We move now to a somewhat unusual element of worship. We're going to be singing, hearing a song by Johnny Cash, probably one of his most familiar songs, Ring of Fire. I'm going to be saying more about this song in the sermon, but uh, it has to do with what happens when we fall into those passionate forces that may make us stray from the line. Johnny Cash uh, wrote a song called I Walk the Line, and we need to uh, be aware that this is in some ways something that happened later on in his life and a companion to that song. Now, he wasn't able to walk the line. And so let us uh, use this, hear this as a call to confession. Thank you, Matt Kaufman, for offering this song in worship today. The words of the song are also printed in your bulletin. child, oh but the fire went wild, 
I fell into a burning ring of fire. It went down, down, the flames went higher. And it burns, 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 the ring of fire, the ring of fire. I went into a burning ring of fire. And I went down, down, the flames went higher. And it burns, 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 the ring of fire, the ring of fire. Let us pray. Holy God, we are here but a short time to suffer the beams of your love. We acknowledge with feeble words the depth and breadth and height of your love. A love which, if we truly knew it, sears us like a fire. And yet it is that fire of passion, the ring of fire, into which we fall, which causes us to stray from that path you've set for us. God, to put it simply, we have done things we are not proud of. We have done that which we ought not to have done and left undone the things we should have. Sin presses in upon us and threatens to enslave us. And we do not turn to you, our higher power, to break the chains that bind us. And so now in the silence, we lift up our own personal prayers of confession. Forgive us, Lord, heal us, and give us that path, that often difficult path, that leads us toward your redemption. Amen. Please stand in body or spirit for the assurance of pardon. Friends, the news is sure. Jesus knows our every weakness and loves us still. Let us awaken to the promise of Christ's amazing grace. Believe the good news of the gospel that in Jesus Christ we can live and love as free and forgiven people. Not just some of us, but all of us. Thanks be to God. Amen. Friends, we will now read together the psalm, Psalm 32. Happy are those whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Happy are those to whom the Lord imputes no iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. While I kept silence, my body wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not hide my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Therefore, let all who are faithful offer prayer to you, At a time of distress, the rush of mighty waters shall not reach them. You are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with glad cries of deliverance. I will instruct you 
and teach you the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Do not be like a horse or a mule without understanding, whose temper must be, must be curbed with bit and bridle, else it will not stay near you. Many, Many are the torments of the wicked, but steadfast love surrounds those who trust in the Lord. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. Our gospel lesson this morning is from Luke chapter 19. Let us listen for God's word to us this morning. He entered Jericho and was passing through it. A man was there named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. He was trying to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd he could not, because he was short in stature. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree to see him, because he was going to pass that way. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried down and was happy to welcome him. All who saw it began to grumble and said, he has gone to be the guest of one who is a sinner. Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, Look, half my possessions, Lord, I will give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will pay back four times as much. Then Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek out and to save the lost. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I often find if there's a parable uh, encouraging us to theological humility, it is our use of technology. Uh, so I hope you following at home, uh, I hope we've improved things. Um, uh, and what a blessing it is indeed to have technology and I hope that you can participate in the spirit of this time of worship. We are the body of Christ, no matter where we are, assembled here in Lawrenceville or in our home. So glad you could join us. I also want to take a moment to thank those who are here. There are, I'd say, about 10 of us in worship. And a special thanks to our uh, choir leaders for being here and helping us lift up uh, the songs of the service. When we sing, we pray twice. Uh, and thanks to so many who are pulling together um, to be church together. Uh, thanks be to God for all of that. Let's take a moment to pray together. Let us pray. Holy One, may the words we have heard and the words we will hear become for us through your Holy Spirit, your word. O come, Holy Spirit, come as the fire and burn. Come as the wind and cleanse. Come as the light and reveal. Come as the water and refresh. Holy One, convict us and convert us and consecrate us until we are wholly and completely yours. Amen. Rodrigo Mendoza was a slave trader and a mercenary. He made his living capturing members of the Guarani tribe who lived in Brazil in the 18th century in the mountains. He would capture them and sell them to the plantations that were burgeoning at that time. Rodrigo Mendoza was in town when he discovered that his half-brother was sleeping with his fiancée, and he challenged him to a duel and killed him. Under the laws of the time, uh, there was no penalty for murder because he killed him in a duel, and yet Rodrigo Mendoza placed himself in the local jail. He had descended into a terrible depression. Father Gabriel, a Jesuit priest who had established a mission in the mountains among the very same people that Rodrigo Mendoza had hunted and killed and sold into slavery, 
visited Rodrigo Mendoza in jail and offered him a penance, encouraged him to think that he could be forgiven. There is no penance strong enough for me, said Rodrigo Mendoza, to which Father Gabriel replied, do you have the courage to try? The penance he was given was to climb the sheer mountain up to the mission that Father Gabriel had established among the Guarani and to minister to the same people that he had hunted and sold into slavery. The the journey was not arduous enough for Rodrigo Mendoza, so he tied all of his old armor in a ball with a bunch of rope and tied the other end of the rope to his waist and set about with the other Jesuits to go up the dangerous path to the mountain, several times falling, nearly killing himself. And when he finally emerged at the top of the sheer cliff, the Guarani immediately recognized the man who had hunted and killed and sold into slavery so many of their fellow tribesmen and women. And the chief ordered one of the chief, one of the tribesmen to put a knife to his neck. And as the tribesman was yelling, speaking to the chief to give the order to kill him, instead he removed the knife from his neck and cut the rope. The armor that he was dragging behind him fell down into the valley below. Now, some of you may recognize that story. It's a story from the 1986 movie, The Mission, Roland Joffe's Academy Award-winning movie about a, real, a true story, a mission that a Jesuit, Jesuit priests began uh, in Brazil in the 18th century among the Guarani Indians. It's a story about redemption. The redemption, or part of the story is about the redemption of Rodrigo Mendoza. And of course, I tell it because this is the second sermon in a sermon series on the theme of redemption. The title of the sermon series is Redemption from Point A to Point B and Everything in Between. We're also using some of the music and the life of Johnny Cash and in general country music as a way to kind of refract the light of the gospel, the light of scripture through human experience, that of Johnny Cash and that of Uh, the spirit of country music, which is so often about getting from point A to point B and everything in between. And last week I talked about point A. We begin at point A, which is often that moment when we realize we need help. Last week in the sermon I spoke about the spiritual significance of hitting bottom, that moment when we know we cannot help ourselves if we're lucky. I spoke about how the, the word in Hebrew we often encounter in the Psalms for pit is the same word as is used for well. So what happens when we fall into that pit that we often dig ourselves, and in a moment of clarity, if we're lucky, we realize we cannot extricate ourselves. We cannot pull ourselves out. But in a moment of clarity, again, if we are lucky, we can see clearly that there is a hand reaching toward us pulling us up, pulling us out of that hole out of which we could not ourselves extricate ourselves. Now, I I mentioned that I'd say more about the song that Matthew presented in worship, offered up in worship, Ring of Fire, one of Johnny Cash's most famous uh, songs. Uh, It's all about how he fell in love with June Carter. And we need to think about a song that he, that one of his most popular songs earlier in his life, I Walk the Line. Now that song, I Walk the Line, is about his determination to stay faithful to his first wife, Vivian Liberto, with whom he had four children. And of course, he, he wasn't able to. This is a time when he wrote the song when he had descended into drug abuse and alcohol abuse. And it really is a testament to the idea that by our own muscular self-will, we cannot stay on that path. The, path that God intends us to walk. If we're lucky, we discover we cannot help ourselves in that circumstance. And perhaps we might discover a power greater than ourselves capable of lifting us out of that pit. Now, this sermon is kind of a meditation on 12-step spirituality. I think those who are in 12-step programs might be okay with calling it that because they are, I think it's a very spiritual approach to addiction. The last week's sermon was really about the first three steps. Those of you who know uh, the 12 steps would be very familiar uh, with this, I think. Uh, the, first, the first step is to recognize that we're powerless over alcohol or whatever, drugs, sex, gambling. 
Uh, in some sense, we might say those who are in those such programs are lucky because they know that over which, uh, that, that has power over them. Uh, because all of us are subject to that same force. We simply, as Christians, recognize that force through the general category of sin, which is a power and not a behavior. So the first step is I'm powerless over this force, alcohol, drugs. And I come to believe in a power greater than myself. We call that power God, of course, our, our, our higher power. And then we make a decision to turn our will over to God as we understand God. Now, let's linger on that third step just for a moment. We make a decision to turn our will over to God. It's really interesting that we're choosing something. We're exercising our will. But what we're doing is we're giving our will over to our higher power, to God. The important thing I want to emphasize this morning is that that's when the work begins. It's not an all-at-once kind of phenomenon, this business of redemption and forgiveness. That's when the work begins. Now, last week I talked about the prodigal son. It's a very familiar story to all of us, I think. And it's a beautiful story. It has such a powerful ending where a wayward son returns to the open arms of his father and to the resentment of the older brother, rightfully so, who was walking the line, who was staying on the straight and narrow path, and yet his brother gets a party. He kills a fatted calf because the one who was lost is now found. But here's the thing. Whenever we talk about that story, at least in my experience, we never talk about what happens next. What happens after the party? After the fatted calf is finished, then what? We're really left to imagine what life is like among those three characters and the others in their household. I mean, because I can't imagine it was all smooth sailing from there. Oh, you're back. That's cool. You know, let's just move on with life. No. We might imagine that that's really when the work begins. To me, the most powerful moment in the movie, that 1986 movie, The Mission, is the one I described when Rodrigo Mendoza emerges at the top of that cliff On all fours, the tribesman has the knife poised at his neck to cut his jugular. And I think if you've seen that movie, you might imagine that Rodrigo Mendoza might wish for that to happen. Because it might be easier to just get it over with instead of to take responsibility for his sins, for the Stuff he was dragging behind him, literally, the armor is a symbol for all of the guilt and shame, all of the things that he has done that he's not proud of. But it's in that moment when he takes the knife from his neck and cuts the rope that the work begins. In the Christian tradition, of course, we have a word for that. It's a word that's prominent in that movie. It's called penance. Now, you remember what we used to call prisons in this country? We call them prisons now, or maybe we call them correctional institutions. But you might recall that they used to be called penitentiaries. And that word is actually from the word penance. Because there's a concept embedded uh, because of Christianity embedded in our culture that people who uh, transgress the boundaries of social norms um, go to prison to be restored to community, are given really the gift of the work, a, work, a kind of work that enables them to be restored to community. And so, if this is a sermon on the 12 steps, 12-step spirituality, what we're talking about today is really the fourth through the ninth steps. And I won't go into detail about what they are, but in brief, this is what the fourth through ninth steps are about. Making a fearless and searching moral inventory of ourselves, Uh, Admitting to God our wrongs and asking God to remove those defects of character that have caused us to do this. And then maybe most importantly, reaching out to those people we have harmed and making amends. This really is describing what we mean when we, as Christians, talk about penance. Now the story of Zacchaeus, I realize I'm not being as scriptural as I normally am and taking a deep dive into the text But Zacchaeus really is the poster child for these fourth through ninth steps. Um, Let's talk about him for just a minute. Zacchaeus, we might think of him as kind of the modern equivalent of a gangster, um, a mafioso without the romantic tinge of that. 
Because uh, Zacchaeus is working for the man. He is collecting taxes on behalf of the Roman oppressor, the occupying force. And not only that, but if you have that franchise, you're expected to take some off the top. You're cut. So whenever, you know, Jesus is talking about the worst in society, and whenever the Pharisees are talking about the worst in society, they use this phrase, tax collectors and sinners. So, of course, Zacchaeus is a member of that most despised category, tax collector. And it's really interesting that we don't see in this story a hitting bottom moment for Zacchaeus. It's not in the scene. It's not in the frame. But we might imagine it's possible that it happened. Um, But what we do know is that Zacchaeus runs and climbs a tree, which is behavior that is not really... Adult behavior, it's what a child does, climbs a tree. And so he humbles himself in order to see Jesus. And the interesting thing about this story is Zacchaeus seeks to see Jesus, not thinking that, maybe thinking he'll just be a casual observer, curious. But what happens is Jesus sees him. Now think about this just for a moment. What would it be like for Jesus really to look at you? We might imagine that that might have been a painful gaze to be the object of. Maybe like that knife to the neck of Rodrigo Mendoza. Because we can imagine that in that moment with Jesus seeing Zacchaeus, really seeing him, that he needed to change. And what's instructive about this text is it's not all of a sudden, I'm good, I'm cool, I'm forgiven. No, Zacchaeus describes what he needs to do in order to receive that gift of forgiveness. Half my possessions, Lord, I will give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will, which means that he has, right? I will pay them back four times as much. To which Jesus responds, today salvation has come to this house. You know, it's interesting as we preach about forgiveness, as I preach about forgiveness, especially during Lent, And I think about this. We always talk about our need to forgive someone who's done something wrong to us. And certainly that's really important. But I don't know that I have ever talked about our need to be forgiven. You think about, you know, people in the sanctuary, if you talk about your need to forgive people, it's likely that these very same people, us, are people who need, who've done things to other people for which they need forgiveness too. And so here's something that you can do uh, at home this week. You don't have to uh, get in a six feet radius with anybody to do this. You can do it on your own. Make a fearless and searching moral inventory of your life. What would that be like for you? All of us have done things we're not proud of. As I said, those who are in 12-step programs are in some ways lucky because they know what they need to do. Many of us, it may not be quite so clear. Of whom do you have to ask forgiveness? What might you need to do to restore a relationship that's broken? I've heard people in this very congregation talk about how I haven't talked to my brother in 12 years because of a fight that we had uh, 12 years ago. Tom Baker, uh, who has taught much about 12-step spirituality, led our men's retreat years ago, and we did this very thing. I wrote a letter to my own sister talking about how I didn't treat you well when you were young, and I want to apologize for that. Making amends. You might want to try it, and it might be painful, but you might find grace even in the pain of that process. Because the good news is that God always gives us a path forward. It may be hard. It may be painful. But forgiveness, to be forgiveness, isn't cheap. Okay, I have one more thing that I want to leave you with. And it's a story that comes from the book that I mentioned last week that I picked up again after not finishing, Tattoos on the Heart by Father Greg Boyle. And he tells a story about how uh, Homeboy Industries, uh, which is a job creation uh, ministry for people who are former gang members in a very difficult neighborhood in L.A. Uh, He talks about how they got into the tattoo removal business, which was one of the first businesses that they got into as he began that ministry. He says he got into it because of a guy named Ramiro. 
<clears throat> and Ramiro had a long criminal record. And one of the mar- remarkable things about Ramiro is he had tattooed across his forehead three words. I can't say the first word without getting fired, um, but it starts with F, okay? F, second word is the, third word, world. All the real estate across his forehead was comprised of those three words. And they were trying to get Ramiro a job, and it wasn't going too well. You know, can you imagine going to McDonald's? and <laughs> Would you like fries with that? You know, scaring the kids. And so uh, Father Greg gave him a job at the bakery where they had created jobs for people. And they realized they needed to do something about this. And so letter by letter, week by week, they removed the tattoo from his forehead. And if you know anything about tattoo removal, you might know that it's not a painless process. It entails a good bit of discomfort and pain. I think that is what redemption is about. It's not an all or once a banquet. It is a beginning. And ours is to endure the pain of that love we know in that moment, to suffer the beams of love, according to that William Blake poem that I mentioned last week. The love that means we need to change. The good news is this, that letter by letter, God removes from us those failures that in our darkest moments we fear will always define us. And in the painful light of that divine forgiveness, we might realize, I am not the sum of my mistakes. I am a beloved child of God. And God has given me the blessed work of redemption to do. Amen. Our next hymn is available through that worship kit. And I forgot to say which verses we were singing on the last hymn. So I hope, I hope that you're still hanging in with us. It's How Firm a Foundation. In case you do have the red hymnal, it's 463. And we will, appropriately enough, we will be doing the odd verses. Verses 1, 3, and 5. How Firm a Foundation. Feel free to sing along with us at home. Let us now read together or listen to the affirmation of faith. This is printed in the bulletin. As Jesus Christ is God's assurance of the forgiveness of all our sins, so in the same way and with the same seriousness is he also God's mighty claim upon our whole life. Through him befalls us a joyful deliverance from the godless fetters of this world for a free, grateful service to his creatures. Let us now join our hearts and minds together in prayer. Let us pray. Gracious God, in Jesus Christ, you showed us how to live how to love, 
and how to be the people that you have created and called us to be. Your ministry of reconciliation included opportunists, outcasts, and those without power or voice. In your mercy, you healed those suffering in body, mind, or spirit. Holy One, we are worried, and we call to you now on behalf of all affected by the coronavirus. Heal the sick and comfort those who grieve the death of loved ones. Abide with all who grieve the loss of an opportunity due to cancellations of programs, gatherings, celebrations, and travel. We ask for courage and protection for healthcare workers at the center of it all who risk their health in tending to others. We pray for wisdom for, all our science, for our scientific community and officials at all levels. May they rightly discern what needs to be done to treat those who are sick and to address the illnesses spread. We pray for our church and all communities of faith as we seek to understand your call for us in supporting one another in this uncertain time. We pray, Lord, for all who are quarantined, especially students, the elderly, and those who are the breadwinners in their families. And we ask that you would grant them strength and courage in the days ahead. May they find meaning somehow in this time together and patience when that wears thin. Holy One, we ask you to hold our fears. This is an unprecedented time, but in the midst of it, we search for meaning, confidence, and hope. Remind us that we're not called to be alarmists, but rather we are called to be aware. We are called to be a people of reason as well as faith, to be a people of compassion, not callousness. We are called to be a people of hope, but not naive or unfounded optimism. Redeemer God, though we experience anxiety, fear, and uncertainty, we are bold to claim your loving, guiding, and renewing presence. We pray for your healing hand to rest on those in our own country and in other lands experiencing loss of life and livelihood due to this viral outbreak. And yet, in the swirl and noise of all of this, Lord, we remember, too, the good, the joys and the blessings in our lives, the call from a friend to check in, the kind smile of a passing stranger, the care of our families and all whom we love, the technology that enables many in our church family and the broader community to be together, even if not in person. And now, Lord, we offer in the silence our own personal prayers for the world, those we care about, and ourselves. Lord, lift our eyes from what is wrong in our world and enable us to sense where you are at work, making things right, healing, restoring, reconciling, and redeeming. And then let us join in the work that you are already doing. For these things we pray in Jesus' name as we voice the prayer that he taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. 
Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Friends, at this offering time, we are invited to think about how we might support each other and our broader community during these days. And a reminder, too, that we can share the fruits of our labor with God and our neighbors through a virtual offering. There's a link to give through our church website. Let us now hear the offertory anthem as we reflect on our giving of time, talent, and treasure. Let us pray. As we give these gifts, Lord, we pray that they might provide faith, hope, and love to those whom we will never meet, in lands that we will never visit, in ways that we can only imagine, with a bounty that is overflowing. Amen. Friends, live in peace, share peace, pray for peace. May the peace of Christ be with you. And also with you. Let us now share a sign of Christ's peace with one another, either here or at home, in whatever way feels appropriate. You can register. Oh, and you can register uh, a sign of peace. Peace be with you. In the comments section, yeah, yes. Why not? Okay. Peace be with you, friends, on Facebook. For our closing hymn, we will sing the same hymn as listed in the bulletin. It's, if we were here, it's not the right number. But forgive our sins as we forgive. Uh, we're going to be singing all four verses of those. Feel free to sing along with us.
Before we receive the benediction, uh, thank you for joining us at home. I would also invite you to give us feedback about this experiment and how it worked. Worship is the taproot of our life together. It's so important that we worship together. So I want to just emphasize that church has not been canceled. Uh, Church in the usual form has been canceled, but we continue to worship and we continue to be the church. And I would ask that you continue to pray together about what we can do together as the body of Christ in this time and in this place amidst this crisis. And so, brothers and sisters, go in peace and serve the Lord in the spirit of Jesus Christ, who throws the banquet for the wayward son who returns and who gives us a path forward in the very difficult challenge of receiving and making forgiveness our own. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship and community of the Holy Spirit be ours both now and forevermore. And let all the people say, Amen. Thank you.